Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome into the Austin Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Pray. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And guys, before we we dive into uh, this special podcast, we're we're going to go into some just in depth analysis of the Oregon women's basketball program. Because look, the reality is they they did some some crazy things uh, this week of going into uh, UConn and winning that basketball game in the manner in which they did against the standard of, of women's basketball, the program, the face of women's basketball. And uh, we'll have a full recap of that. But first, real quick, if you haven't subscribed to DuckTerritory.com, we highly encourage you guys to, to jump in on now before uh, a promo price goes away. Right now you can get a, your monthly subscription for your first month for a dollar, and then after that it goes to $9.95. Or you could jump in with an annual membership, which we're offering 60% off right now. Typically, uh, we charge just over about $75 for an annual membership. You can get it for $42.96 right now. Uh, insane deal, really good value. Uh, highly encourage you guys to, to jump in on that right now. So, Eric, women's team goes to uh, Stores, Connecticut, and takes on a, a at least in your lifetime, in my lifetime, like this is the st- this is the team, this is the program everyone has been aspiring to get to and to play and to compete with in the University of Connecticut. And Gina Ramara is one of the best coaches in sports, not just women's basketball, just in sports. Uh, they have eleven banners that hang uh, from their arena for national championships and. I don't know if if it was going to be a shock. At least it wouldn't have been for me. I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but it wouldn't have been a shock if Oregon went in there and, and won the game by four, five, six, seven points. But to win by eighteen, to deliver uh, the largest margin of victory uh, at Gamble Pavilion since it opened in nineteen ninety, um, beat a top five team on the road in that manner. That I was not expecting. No, you nailed it. I, I agree with you on, on that exactly. I, I predicted on the site probably an hour before tip off that I thought Oregon would win by about three to four, three to five points, something like that, a close game that would be competitive to, down the wire. And we didn't get any of that. Um, you know, Oregon really led by ten points in the first quarter and then just continued uh, to build its lead out and, and never led by more than twenty points. I think I think they led by twenty at one point and UConn cut it back a little bit, but. It was never a game even down to the final couple minutes of regulation where you really were that concerned. Uh, Oregon led by 12 to 15 to finally 18 at the end, um, basically throughout the fourth quarter. Um, and I think that's ex- extremely impressive. I just wrote, put a story up on the site uh, about how impressive this win was for a variety of reasons. And I think, first off, it's what Matt was just talking about. Of UConn is UConn. This is the Alabama of women's basketball. And, and honestly, just in terms of their success, since 2008, they have six national championships. They haven't, 
They haven't missed out on the Final Four. This is a wild stat. Since 2006. They've been in the Final Four every season since 2006. They've won the title in about half of those years. They haven't lost more than five games, period, during that stretch. And they've been undefeated for five of those seasons as well. So uh, this is <laughs> this is a blue blood program here. And for Oregon to go into stores like we talked about and, and to win, not only to win, but to win in the fashion they did was, I, I think, pretty remarkable. And I think a game where, and I wrote about this on the site, this is not a win Oregon fans and just fans nationally are going to forget about, I don't think, anytime soon. I think this is going to be a game that anytime a challenger goes into Gamble, they're going to be talking about, how. well, let's see if this team can beat UConn by that margin. And anytime a team is maybe up 15 points, mid-second half, like Oregon was, you know, they put up the graphics of the, the biggest losses in Gamble history. Oregon is going to be the name and the game uh, remembered there and recounted as holding kind of that uh, that barometer. So I think an extremely impressive win, and for a lot of reasons as well, just because, like, you look at the numbers and you watch the game, and Sabrina Ionescu almost has a triple-double, but I would say that she was kind of off her game in some ways on, on Monday. Like, she had the passing was there. Obviously, she rebounded well. I thought she defended pretty well, but she was struggling from the field. I think she was one for seven in the second half, had a couple of turnovers that I think she would classify as not her best plays, kind of bad turnovers. Um, and yet the team picks her up, and she's actually fifth on the team in scoring. They have all five starters and double figures. Didn't get a single point off the bench, which is kind of wild, by the way. But you just kind of look through it, and I think you go, that's an ultimate team victory, and what a cool way uh, for the national audience to watch this team of, well, there's the best player in America, but she's also playing on the best team in America, a team that is capable of picking her up even when she's not quite at her A game. Because we've seen her at her A game, and I think if you if you haven't seen her at her A game, maybe you're thinking well, last night wasn't that impressive. But when she is able to score and shoot the ball effectively, she's basically unstoppable. Uh, UConn, to their credit, did a pretty good job of limiting her in that regard, but it didn't really matter. She was still able to get players involved, a lot of nice assists, um, and just kind of running the show and being that steadying force. But Oregon doesn't win this game, and they don't win by 18 points, if not for how well Ruthie Hebert, Satu Sabali, Aaron Bully, and Mignon Moore played on Monday. I was most impressed with the fact that, I mean, we've talked about this before, of the size difference that Oregon's been playing with or the lack of depth that they've been playing with at the forward spots. And um, and quite honestly, UConn had no answer for Ruthie Hebert. They had no, no answer for Satu Sabali. Uh, and when Aaron Bully is hitting three-pointers like she was, uh, they had no answer for her either. And I, I looked at... I looked at that as a really big thing for me that stood out in that one. And then more importantly, I, it seems like since maybe the ASU game when Oregon lost that game on the road, Satu Sabali has been playing at another level since then, um, shooting, defending, rebounding, just looking at her scoring numbers since that ASU loss. Uh, they've, they've played in at what, eight games since? Uh, 18 points, 18 points, 31, 17, 16, 23, 17, 17. I mean, she is playing at a consistent level. She's shooting really impressive numbers. Uh, she, now she's starting to hit three-pointers. And when she rebounds like she did against UConn and she, had, she did against Oregon State and did against Stanford, I've said this before, <coughs> Sabrina's, Sabrina is maybe the team's most important player. But when she when Satu Sabli is playing like she has the last couple of weeks, she has the ability to maybe be the team's best overall player. 
Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm disagreeing with you that much on that. And, and, and cer- certainly I would say, and I saw this by a couple of people on social media, and I don't remember exactly who last night, but it was WNBA kind of fans slash uh, basketball scouts kind of saying that maybe Sabali has a higher upside as a WNBA prospect. And I think I could probably get behind that line of thinking. I mean, she's six foot four. She can kind of do it all offensively. Uh, she had a couple of drives against UConn that were really impressive, also hit a couple big threes. Um, her ability to defend, I mean, you watch her, she's guarding the opponent's best perimeter player for most, you know, I guess, unless it's like a 5-6 guard, right. in the case of UConn with Dangerfield, but I mean, she's guarding really good, she plays really good defense, and again, she rebounds the ball effectively, she's a pretty good passer too, um, so yeah, I, I think she could be a tremendous, tremendous player uh, next year if she is the go-to offensive player or the go-to player with you know, UNESCO and Heber graduating or at the WNBA level. I mean, she's six foot four. Um, and if, if you're just kind of thinking of a male equivalent, this is like a Ben Simmons maybe or a six foot ten kind of player that's capable of handling the ball and doing everything. I guess she's a better three point shooter than Ben Simmons, but I was thinking left handed, kind of tall, lean, can kind of, kind of lead the offense. She's that type of talent. And I thought we, I thought we saw her perform at such a high level against UConn on Monday. I know she was six for 17, so her shooting percentages aren't great, but she was extremely effective getting to the rim and finishing the ball in traffic, which is something that sometimes she struggles with. I know she missed a couple early, but uh, throughout the game she got better. But you're right. I mean, she when she is playing at a high level, and when I mean when Oregon's big three is clicking with Satsu, they're really good. Ruthie Hebert and Sabrina Esker, I just don't even know what you do. I, I mean, you really don't. I mean, I don't know how you defend them. I mean, that's three of probably the best 10 players maybe in the country. I know three of the best 20 because they just put the, uh, the Wooden Award semifinalists out and all three of them were on there. But, uh, yeah, when they're all clicking, I don't know how you handle it. And when you get Aaron Bowley hitting threes and you have Mignon Moore, 12.6 assists like she had where she's effective on both sides, like that's a really hard team to, to beat. And that's what UConn ran up against. It was everybody in Oregon, probably besides Sabrina Inescu, played just about as well as they're capable of playing. And when they're doing that, and if you were to have Sabrina play, having an A-plus effort, too, and, and she's hitting shots, that game could have gotten really ugly because Oregon, if all those guys are you're kind of firing on all cylinders, watch out. Well, that was going to be my thing. My, my next point was I felt like for stretches of that game, they were playing at maybe their best basketball. But for other good chunks of that game, I really felt like they didn't necessarily play – their best. It wasn't like, and it wasn't that they were playing terrible. Um, and, and you have to take into consideration, I mean, UConn is the fourth best team in the country and, and maybe some of Oregon's struggles are because of that. Um, right. but at the same time, I, I walked away feeling like, wow, they won by 18 points. And I don't know if I would say that was an A plus effort. Like usually like when you win those type of games, like I go back to the men's side in the final four year when they played Arizona and they beat them by like 35 points. And that was like the ultimate peak of Oregon basketball because every single player played at, you know, at their best level on both ends of the floor and it was just an absolute butt kicking. I don't think you could say that about the women's team, um, against UConn. And that's to me, that was my like biggest takeaway was whoa they just beat UConn by 18 points and yeah Satu played really well Ruthie Hebert had her best game but they got nothing from the bench uh 
uh, Serena Unescu was very hit or miss, it felt like, um, during the game. You know, she was amazing, and then she, you know, herself even said that she wasn't playing at a high level. And yet they still crushed them. And it's like, if what, what's, what are they like if, if they're playing their best basketball together at the same time? Are they, are, are they literally the best team in the country? Uh, and, and they could, you know, they could blow anyone out. I, you know, I, I was just looking at it here. The fourth quarter, Oregon was four for 16 from the field, 0 for 4 from three. They didn't, they didn't play well the game in the fourth. That great. Yeah, they had a couple of offensively. And a couple of, of big plays. I think Hebert had a three-point play and Moore had a three-point play that she didn't finish. But other than that, it, it was a pretty, pretty poor offensive fourth quarter. Uh, you're right. Like, I, I, I'd love to, I'm, I'm curious to see what this team looks like when they are all firing uh, on all cylinders. Um, if we get the opportunity to see that, um, they play some tough games coming up here, but they host the Arizona schools this weekend. Those are, are two teams that are ranked in the top 20. Uh, both schools are, are there nationally right now. Um, and then obviously games with Stanford and UCLA upcoming on the road. Uh, there's opportunities to, to really flex and show some things. I would be very curious to see if they can put it together for all four quarters where their big three are all playing at the peak of their powers and they're getting solid contributions from their bench and from Mignon and from Aaron Boley. Uh, I just don't see a team in the country that can really stop them. And honestly, I, I think if Oregon played the way they played yesterday against just about everybody, I mean, remember, UConn's ranked fourth nationally coming into that game. Yep. If Oregon plays that way against South Carolina and Baylor, uh, even they're Louisville, who, I think they're beating them. I do. I really do. I think they're beating them. They might not be winning by 18, 20 points, but they're, they're beating those teams. And, uh, again, I think this is a huge statement game in terms of, hey, we know Oregon's good. We've seen them beat Team USA. We've seen them beat Stanford by 30 when they swept Oregon State in a couple of uh, games this last week. But I, I thought this game really solidified what most people around the country know, which is that coming into the year, we thought this was the best team. Um, and right now, I still think they're the best team, and I do think they're the favorite. And this game right here, the way they want it, uh, to me, just further solidifies that thought process. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and kind of talk big picture stuff uh, for what's left for uh, this women's basketball team as they go to uh, a run where they're now 20-2 and two and getting closer and closer to a, a Pac-12 championship and more okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome back to the Lots and Audible's podcast. Matt Freeman, Eric Scopel here talking. Uh, it, it, it's a big deal. We're women's basketball. We're, we're dissecting the, the impressive 74-56 win against UConn. Real quick, I think they've answered a lot of questions. Um, I, I, I think we both, and maybe it was Kevin, um, kind of put this out on Twitter of was Thursday, was Monday night's game kind of solidifying Oregon as the representative of the Pac-12 in the Portland region, uh, barring some kind of collapse because in the last 16 days, uh, I, I guess 16 counting Monday and stopping there, Oregon has, has beaten the number three ranked Stanford Cardinal, uh, 87 to 55. Then they beat the number seven ranked Oregon State Beavers 76 to 54 and then again 66 to 57 just two days later. And now the number four team in the country in Connecticut 74-56. Four wins against top ten opponents, three of which come on the West Coast. They also have, uh, a, a win over number 18 Arizona which happened, you know, just a couple days prior to that. Uh, they had a win against number 17 Syracuse earlier in the year in non-conference play. They did lose to Louisville. Uh, they did lose to an Arizona State team that's ranked. Uh, but I feel like, Eric, that barring some epic collapse, and, and by collapse I mean, you know, they could still lose two more times, maybe lose in the Pac-12 championship game or, you know, the semifinals of the tournament. And I feel like that's still, en- they've done enough. Uh, where if, if that, if those, you know, if they have three more losses in that, in that manner. Say they lose at, uh, Stanford, or, yeah, they lose at Stanford and, and say they lose at UCLA. I feel like they've done, and then, you know, they lose in the semifinals. I think that's still enough for them to have secured the Portland Regional, uh, as the Pac-12 representative. And I, if I'm being honest, I don't really see a way that they lose more than two or three games. Like, yeah. if those are the three games they lose, and we're talking about a collapse that's somehow worse than that, I just don't see it with the way they're playing right now. I don't see them losing this weekend against the Arizona schools, um, and maybe I'm overlooking how good those teams are. You know, I know Arizona State and Arizona have both been playing very, very well in conference play. They're kind of right in that next tier behind Oregon and Stanford, uh, and I guess UCLA is in that, that group as well right now. But um, I, if, if they were to... If, let's just say what you said a second ago is how this plays out. Yeah, I think they're still the number one seed um, uh, up in Portland. I think in part because the main competition for that really has been Oregon State, Stanford, and UConn. And Oregon would have the head-to-head with UConn. They'd have the head-to-head with Oregon State. And even if they lose in Stanford, Oregon has a 32-point win. And I, I'm going to almost guarantee that if, if Stanford beats Oregon down in pa- uh, Palo Alto, it's by nowhere near 32 points. So... Yeah, the only way I could see this, then maybe looking at giving this to Stanford would be if Oregon, yeah, loses early in the conference tournament to Stanford or somehow. I don't know how that plays out because it should, they should be the top two seeds unless things get weird. Um, and then Stanford wins the conference championship in impressive fashion and maybe they give it to Stanford, but I, I just really don't see that happen. I think Oregon's in really, really good position, um, in terms of the postseason right now with, with just the way they played during this stretch run. Um, the degree of difficulty of winning all these games, and I mean, they just played four straight games on the road, uh, won all four of them. Uh, two of them were against top ten teams. Three of them came by 18 or more points. Uh, they are playing at such a high level. 
that I just don't see a scenario where they, they aren't the number one seed, barring, like you said, something really strange happening. I'm not even going to go down the line of thinking of what that would require because it would have to be something that just almost makes, that boggles the mind. That doesn't make sense. That probably involves some sort of injury and I don't even want to go there, but, um, they are in very, very good shape and they, and they remain in very, very good shape to win the conference as well. And, and frankly, I'd actually almost say I feel better about the prospect of them not losing again from this point until the start of the NCAA tournament than I would about them losing more than three games because I just think they're playing at such a high level um, and and it seems like they're just all kind of clicking and I still think we're going to have some games here where Sabrina just takes it to another level. Um, I know she had the triple-double against Colorado, but she kind of hasn't had a big, big game since that first game at home against Oregon State a couple weeks ago. This is what's on the docket for Oregon uh, in the next couple of weeks. They play the Arizona schools this week. They play Arizona, who is currently ranked 12th on Thursday. And then on Sunday, they play uh, Arizona State, who is currently ranked 19th in the country. And then after that, they go on the road to play the L.A. schools. Uh, UCLA is 10th in the country. USC is not ranked right now. They're not receiving votes either. Uh, and then they come back on the, they go back on the road and they play California and then a Stanford team. Uh, Stanford is ranked sixth in the country. So they've, you know, they've still got three more games against top, what, 20 opponents on, on the docket. And one of those teams is a top 10 team. Uh, they've also, uh, two of those teams, excuse me, are top 10 yeah. teams. And then Arizona is, Literally just two spots behind and, you know, it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world by the time that those, you know, Oregon plays Arizona this week, but it would be a shock in the world that, you know, in a couple of weeks, Arizona's back in the top 10. Uh, like, like you said, I mean, they, they could have this thing wrapped up in the conference season. What, in two or three weeks? I mean, maybe that Stanford game could be, they could go into that final week of conference play knowing with, 100% certainty that they've secured first place in the Pac-12 conference? Yeah, no, I, I think, I, I, and that's probably how it's going to go because they, they do host the Washington schools the last weekend, and that's probably, if you're being honest here, that's probably the easiest weekend Oregon will have had since the opening conference weekend where they hosted Colorado Utah um, in terms of not going on the road and, and playing some of the league's worst teams. I mean, because every other weekend they have coming up here, they're, either, they're playing a ranked team, <laughs> and two of the weekends are on the road. But you're right. I, I think if they, there's a pretty good chance that they they play Washington State on February 28th, knowing full well that they've already won the conference. Um, they have a tiebreaker with Stanford. UCLA still looking up at them. UCLA would have to beat Oregon and probably not lose again for for UCLA to have a real chance at it. And Washington or Arizona, Arizona State are just a little too far back. Oregon State, Oregon has the tiebreaker with two wins over them. I, I just don't. I really don't see another team winning the conference unless Oregon really drops the ball here. Which is possible, but I, I think more again, more likely than not, I, I would see them entering that game with Washington State, knowing they've already won the conference, that the number one seed in Portland is pretty much set up, rather than the opposite where they're going, oh crap, we're going to need Stanford to lose a couple of games here, or UCLA to lose a couple of games here, just to ensure we're the top seed in Las Vegas uh, in a couple of days when they when they head down there for the Pac-12 tournament. Just to give you a quick glimpse of what the conference standings are like going into this week's games. Oregon and Stanford are currently tied for first at 9-1 in league play. Oregon, however, has the signature 87-55 to victory uh, in their favor. So if that game, uh, 
you know, they, if they are equal going into the, that game down in Palo Alto in a couple weeks, that could literally decide the conference championship right then and there. UCLA is third. They're ha- they're one game back. They're eight and two in conference play. Arizona State and or excuse me, Arizona is fourth in the conference at seven and three, two games back of first place. Arizona State is a, currently in fifth place, six and four. They're tied with the Beavers at six and four in conference play. Both teams are three back. It's gonna be mighty difficult for those two teams, I think, to win. Maybe Arizona State has a little bit of a chance because they do have a win over Oregon, uh, but it. Even then, it's going to be pretty difficult. Do you see Oregon losing three conference games? That's going to be pretty difficult to, to envision. Yeah, I just and I just don't see that happening. So I, I really think it's Stanford or UCLA right here that that really could factor into it because there are with you know Stanford's tied, UCLA's within one, um, and, and Oregon plays both those teams on the road. Um, you know, more than likely, if they split those games, you know, if, if they beat UCLA, UCLA's out. I think if they Lose to Stanford, it still gets kind of interesting because of the tiebreaker. I don't know exactly how that all plays out. I would think Oregon would probably still still get there based upon uh, what's happened so far. But uh, it, it I, I really, I, I'm trying to think of a scenario here where, where they don't win the Pac-12, and, and I'm kind of falling short because I, I just feel like with the momentum they're carrying, I, I feel like they're going to win a lot of these games. And I think that Stanford game on February 24th is probably the one I'm most closely keeping an eye on just because – Cardinal also only have one loss still. Oregon beat them by 30. Um, everybody kind of knows right now those are the two preeminent programs in the conference. I know UCLA is ranked 10th, and Oregon State's hovering around there, and then you have the two Arizona schools. But it really is Oregon and Stanford right now, and you know Stanford's going to be motivated down there. Um, I think that's going to be a really, really fun women's basketball game. At the same time, I would I would pick Oregon, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's another 10, 15-point win either just because of how – how well they're playing and how well they played at Stanford the first time out. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of exciting moments to come up. I think the final thing to look at is literally Serena Inescu and Rufi Hebert, they, they have four more games left to play in, in Matthew Knight Arena. It's guaranteed. Obviously, they're going to probably host the NCAA tournament the first and second round. But – you never know, and, and guarantees there's only four more games left at Matthew Knight Arena. So if you are on the fence about going and watching this team, you still got four opportunities to do so, but should also know that those opportunities are quickly dwindling, and you'll never see them play in an Oregon uniform at Matthew Knight Arena again after March 1st, potentially. I mean, I guess, no. They're going to get two games in the NCAA tournament, but after that, they're done and you will have to travel somewhere to watch them play, and their careers at Oregon are coming down to their end, and it's been a heck of a ride for both those players. So uh, if you're on the fence, I would go. It's a heck of an entertainment. Eric said the same thing. I mean, I, I think this team is certainly entertaining. It's fun to watch. It's a good product, uh, and they are the best team in my mind uh, in, in women's college basketball. If, if you don't catch Sabrina Ionescu one time at home, during her career, then that's a utter mistake on your part is, is all I will say. And if you only have four or six more chances to do it, uh, I'd take advantage of it. Um, I know tickets are probably going to be tough to come by this weekend against the Arizona schools. I'm sure they will be available, but g- getting an opportunity to watch a player of her caliber, uh, she is the best player in the sport. And she really is, I think I saw someone tweet about this yesterday. She really is kind of carrying 
the banner for that for the entire sport right now. It's not just for Oregon. I mean, she is the absolute face of women's basketball. You go and you look at any women's basketball website, and she is basically all they are talking about. So, in an opportunity, in you to cover this women's team and all other sports and talk about them here on the Odds and Audible's podcast in the future. So, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Adios, amigos. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.